hello, hello. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. Today's guest, we're speaking with Michelle Hill. I'm going to give you a couple of spoiler alerts now, but then I'm going to let you listen to her story because I want to hear from this badass. You're going to find out right away that she's talking to us from, as we know, the land down under. Always so exciting to speak to the Australians. And she has um, also coaching now. Why do I insist on speaking to coaches? You can only learn. We all think that we're just, oh, I'm the only one going through this, or this is how I feel. And we're here to validate, and you're not alone. What I love, love, love about Michelle and want to hear more is maybe she got a little burnt out in the career. I know none of that sounds familiar to anybody here, but then I don't know, she decided. And this is what I really want to know, that one day she was going to make the trek, as they call it, to Mount Everest Base Camp. Yes, the one in Nepal with the, I believe they're Sherpas on shore. Something tells me she wasn't a big hiker and this was maybe not even in her wheelhouse, but yet she challenged herself. And That's what I want everybody to hear because the days of playing small, they're over. Let's go. It's go big or go home. I also love her mantra. And this is another reason why I wanted to find out more. Every day she says, I am strong. I can do this. Simple words to live by. We're going to learn to listen to those words and apply them. So with that, I say, Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. It's such an honor to be here. And as you mentioned, I am from down under, beautiful Brisbane, um, which is sunny some of the time, not all of the time, really. But, um, yeah, thank you for that beautiful introduction. And I guess, yeah, that's a bit of a teaser as to how on earth did I find myself in Nepal doing something that I never, ever thought I would do. So probably if we go back about 10 years, and that was that was around about the time that I separated from my son's father. And it wasn't like 
a terrible relationship, a bad relationship. It was just a relationship going nowhere and no communication. And I kind of thought, okay, I don't want my son growing up thinking that this is what normal people do in a relationship. And then probably about six months after that, I still had this like, why am I here? What am I doing? Why do I still feel a little bit lost, a little bit trapped? I'm in a job. It's a good job, but I'm going through the motions. And you know how sometimes you think I'm going to make that move and then everything will magically be okay. And I guess that's what I kind of thought you know, once I was single again and in control, it would all click into place. But it just didn't seem to be happening. And I'm sure we've all been in that spot where it's like, you know that you need to do something, but you actually don't know what to do. And this trip to trek in Nepal, it just kept popping up like on social feed and I think it was even like on a Groupon, which, you know, is a discount voucher on my emails. And I read I read through it and I thought, oh, wow, you know, and it wasn't that I was reasonably fit, but I wasn't super fit and I'd never done any trekking. And then one day I just looked at it and I literally just went, I'm going to do this and booked and paid for it and then went, holy shit, what do I do now? What did I just do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was about, I went in September 2015. So this was probably about 10 months before that. So luckily for me, I had actually had some sense of planning and, you know, you actually have to prepare for these sort of things. And I went to like the Kathmandu shop, which is like an outdoor gear shop here in Australia. And I remember saying to the lady, hey, I need to buy some boots. And she's like, what sort do you need? And I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm not really sure. The kind they wear on Mount Everest. Tell me what you're going to do and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, so I, I got myself the boots and, you know, started reading up and started doing some training and things like that. Then I flew to Kathmandu by myself and joined, like there was five other people on the tour with me. And I was in my late 50s at the time. So I think there was part of it was that I almost felt like I needed to prove to myself that you're never too old to do something and let's, as you said, let's not start small. Let's start really big and see, you know, how spectacularly you can crash. <laughs> Much to my surprise, I didn't crash. But I did feel, you know, I joined this group of five other people and, you know, three super fit guys who are in their late 20s and a couple from South Africa who are in their early 30s. And I was like, okay, um, sure. And I... We would walk at our own pace each day and usually I was the last to get there. But for me, it wasn't it wasn't a race. It was just I was doing this for me. And one of the really nice things I discovered along the way was each day the biggest decision I had to make was what to order for my meal because the tea house accommodation was organised. The guide took us where we needed to go. 
you know, all I had to do was get up, get dressed, have something to eat, fill up the water, you know, the camelback thing, and then just walk. There was no decisions and there was no, and most of the time we had no Wi-Fi as well. So it really was this total, and I didn't know, it wasn't what I expected, but I didn't know what to expect when I went there, you know, that feeling. But yeah, you did mention my mantra and that came about on day three. So when you trek to base camp, you fly from Kathmandu to Lakla, which has the distinction of having the most dangerous airport in the world because the runway literally ends in a cliff. So if the plane, plane doesn't stop in time, choo. hopefully it's a good day, a good day for the pilot. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we were fine. But once you head off from Lakla, like there's no roads, you're just walking on like tracks in the mountain. So everything that has to go up the mountain is carried by Sherpas or yaks. So you are literally not so much stepping out of civilization as so much, but there's none of the support facilities that we in first world countries are used to. And day three, we had lunch, this beautiful spot beside a little stream, and then our guide said to us, you know, uh, this afternoon up, 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 up to Namche Bazaar, and it was up, 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 and you get to the point where it's like, okay, if I can just get up to that bit, then I can stop and pretend I'm taking a photo while I have a rest. I did get to the point where the guide actually said to me, are you okay? What do you want to do? Be able to continue, sure. And I remember saying to him, because we were still in the tree line, so we're still surrounded by one to two metre high trees, rocky path, and we were hours up. And I said to him, look around. Where am I going to go? The the helicopter can't get me. I need to just keep going. And yeah, I just started saying to myself, I can do this. I'm strong enough. I'm strong. I'm strong. I can do this. I can do this. And eventually when I looked up, it was like, "Ah, there's our destination. And you know, that whole feeling of like, oh my God, I, I think my legs will still work that far. But also that immense feeling of, okay, I didn't give up and I got here and I did it and that whole satisfaction thing, that was amazing. And I think that's what really, for me, it was almost like learning mindset on the job. You know, when people talk about, you know, you've got to shift your mindset and go to workshops and you hear stuff and then you try and implement it. Mine was literally like, I am here now. You have no choice. Yes. <laughs> My other mantra would be, where's the helicopter going to land? You have to keep going. I got to get to the clearing. Where's the helicopter yeah. going to land? <laughs> wow. So how long was the journey? How long was this uh, trip? It took eight days for us to get from Lakla to base camp and three and a half days to get back. And it depends who you go, like you can do it quicker, you can do it slower, but because of the altitude, because when you get to base camp, you're at 5,300 and something metres high, so that starts to get a bit hard to breathe 
and get enough oxygen in. So on the way up, you have a couple of nights where you stay in the same place two nights in a row. And during the day, you hike up higher, but then you come back down again so that your body has a chance to acclimatise to the altitude. Oh, okay. That's one of the really unpredictable things when you do something like this, and this is what I learned along the way, that not everybody can handle being in those sort of altitudes. And even with the guides and the porters who've done it, you know, 20, 30, 40 times before, they can go up and then they get sick. So you get altitude sickness and you get headaches and you get very ill. And literally that's sometimes why people have to be helicoptered out. But generally it's like when you go back down, you start to get better again. But I was lucky, like I felt a little bit off. And also, you know, when you're walking, because when you're breathing, you're not getting enough oxygen each time, you walk a lot slower and you're kind of going, you know. <laughs> really deeping, yeah, really breathing it in to, to try to expand everything. Yeah, but actually getting to base camp, getting to Namche Bazaar after that really hard afternoon, that felt really good. But actually getting to base camp, that just felt amazing. You know, that whole, oh, my God, if I can do this, I can actually do anything. And it's really interesting. All the photos that we took of each other, we're all standing with our arms up in the air because you just naturally felt like, oh, my God, I've just got it like, eh. <laughs> So, yeah, it's true euphoria for sure. And it's interesting in my introduction, I say, if you're listening to this and I'm going to tell you right now, you're never too old because I started this podcast last year when right before I was turning 60. And it is something that I thought of that I wanted to do, talked about for years, very comfortably like, yeah, one of the, yeah, nope, it's there, it's there, it's there. And and similar to perhaps the way AI is designed to read our minds. And either I had a conversation, then I see a Facebook ad and just said, okay, I'll jump on the call to listen, which nine times out of 10 for me means, oh, I'm going to buy. Yeah, I'm going to be a part of that type thing. And it was like everything just aligned. I I like, yes, eight weeks. This is great. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have a podcast. Like, oh, I have to get a title. Oh, I need, like, it was a lot of work and I say it all the time. I mean, it was well worth it and everything that I learned, but it was a lot harder than I thought. I wanted it to be easy. I wanted someone to say, oh, here you go, Stephanie. And you know, you take it away. It wasn't physical work. It wasn't, I had to climb to base camp, but it was very much out of comfort zone. Well done you. Yeah, very much. Who do I think I am? And just really had to change the mindset of when things got hard. And believe me, it was a great journey, but I am a firm believer and I've experienced that when it's hard, that's where the growth comes from. And then when you do, when you get to raise your arms in victory, you're a different person. Absolutely. And when you were talking about that, what came to mind for me was that often when we are viewing something as an outsider, we look at it and we go, oh, that looks great. Or, you know, 
oh, I'd love to do that. And then when you delve in behind what you see and understand that there's like 50,000 other things sitting behind that that you actually have to do to present this like the finish Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I mean I don't even know like when you're carrying your supplies are you are you carrying a backpack and if so how heavy is this thing that you're also walking with or you're just using walking poles or what happens there I didn't go quite that far. I joined a group where we had porters. So, and we were allowed 15 kilos of everything that included like first aid kits and all sorts of stuff and sleeping bags. So that was carried by the porter. And then I had a backpack each day, like my day pack with wet weather gear and my camelback, which takes three litres of water. So in the morning when it was filled, it was like, yeah, quite heavy, but um, you could just kind of get used to that. And if I had to have carried my stuff, I probably could have, but I did choose to not be that quite independent. <laughs> well, it's, again, similar to me because we were taught how we could produce and air our own podcast. So I do know the software to use to do so, or... I can simply send it to a production company that does all the work in editing for me. And I say, I'll choose door number two, please, because <laughs> I'll do that. That I can do. So it, it's wonderful to have those options. So what kind of person is Michelle when she comes home? When I come home, I like to be organized and people tell me that that's a strong sign of being a Capricorn. I'm not sure that, you know how you have that foot in both camps where it's like, I'm not sure that I really actually believe all of the astrology, but then sometimes some things fit in too well to actually go, there's nothing to this. That's a reflection, I think, of my science background because originally, you know, a million years ago when I went to university, Um, I actually studied chemistry. So the scientist side of me says, if you can show me and you can prove it to me, then I will believe it. And that approach I found quite interesting in the last few years because I did start to do a lot more personal development work and looking at affirmations, the law of attraction, all of those kind of things And in my head, I was going, oh, well, it's all just woohoo. How could that possibly work? Like sending stuff out. But then when I started to listen more about we are all made up of energy and atoms and everything's vibrating and there's a frequency, then my ears start to prick up and I think, oh, maybe there's a scientific reason, but there's also all of these other reasons. And if you actually have the faith to believe in that, understanding the the, the scientific reasons, then maybe that's going to work. So it's been an interesting journey in terms of going from a very black and white person to opening my mind up and going, okay, let's look at this, let's think about this and let's see how it works rather than just going, oh, well, you know, 
they're off chanting and doing woohoo stuff and that's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> right. It's really also expanding your vision and allowing yourself to believe what you see versus where's the, let me get the logic and let me get the proof. And then it becomes the belief. You might have seen an ad for the expedition that you went on or talked about it or whatever. One time, that's all it took. And then it just started appearing similar to like when you're either saying, wow, I really like that car. And then literally in the next week, you're just surrounded by the same white Mercedes that you said, that was a nice model. What was, what kind of car was that? Oh, and then they're everywhere. Cause suddenly your brain's like, oh, let's, it's over here. It's always been there, but let me point you. And suddenly my eyes can see. All of a sudden you're focusing your attention there and yeah, it could have been right in front of your face all along, but now you can actually see it. Yeah. I, I totally understand what you're saying with that. And yeah, for me, it was about everything that I was doing that wasn't going to really move me forward or change me and possibly, yeah, just seeing one ad and the brain just going, okay, now this is just completely different, completely out there. And to really take that leap, you need to do something really different and really like get the adrenaline going a little bit and actually tackle something that you're not 100% sure you can do rather than staying. And you're never going to know unless you try. Like if you don't, then it's absolutely you couldn't do it because you didn't. You know, when you ask that, should I ask a yes or no? And I always say, you may as well ask because at least you have a 50-50 chance. Someone might say, yes, it'll be your lucky day. But if you don't, it's 100% no because you didn't ask. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Increase your odds just a little is is really uh, is really what I say. So you're getting familiar with the law of attraction. You're getting familiar with energy work. And then how does coaching appear? It was kind of a slow burn thing. In my corporate role, I've spent many years doing sales and working with sales teams and business development. So I was in a coaching slash mentoring role for quite some time and probably it would be about six years ago my partner and I decided wouldn't it be a great idea to start an online business and do that and we were like yeah we can and a little bit like with the podcast like all we need is a website he can produce the product it's an online digital product oh that'll be great that'll be easy it's easy easy. (laughs) (laughs) sure let's do this today and then yeah let's all of a sudden find ourselves on the steepest learning curve because not only was it about how to set up and run a small business But we also decided let's do an online business and, oh, now we have to learn social media and digital and websites and SEO and all of these foreign terms that um, people in my generation didn't grow up with. 
So it's not as intuitive. And um, yeah, we literally got to the point where I felt like we were just on this hamster wheel of just like, what do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? But not really progressing or getting to that point where it was like, okay, we know what we're doing and we can grow and expand. And that was at the point where I started to look at, okay, we need help, but what sort of help do we need? How do we find it? Who do we ask? What is the process for us? And yeah, we went looking for business mentor, coaching, personal development work, all that sort of stuff. And the interesting part for me was when we went looking for help, what I thought we needed to do was learn the skills to run the business. And in a 12-month program, we spent the first nine months doing personal development and mindset work. And for me, that was like, oh, my God. To me, I thought we were doing backwards. But once I went through the journey, I realised how important it was to get all the foundations right first and then add the skills on the top. That then led me to, okay, I don't want to be in my corporate role forever. What could I see myself doing? Because I didn't want to retire and sit at home and do nothing because that's just not me. Like, And the whole idea of helping other business women do that journey that I'd been through but with less pain and less time in a coaching role, you know, that really started to appeal. And so I did some coaching training and, you know, and then I've just gradually built it from there because you did mention at the start about coaching and why. And I guess for me as as well, until I actually went and found us a coach to help us, I didn't actually realise exactly what a coach does. I was going to say most coaches and anyone, uh, the listeners will know, I talk to a lot of different coaches and some people have a problem with the name coach, you know, or expert in, or those are words. They're just words, but, you know, to find someone to share their knowledge, to say, listen, I know the steps. And here's a system. And you could figure it out yourself. You could. I think anybody can. And the question becomes, how long do you want to take? What's the space between your start and then your eventual end goal? How much time do you want to take for that? Because you'll learn it. Believe me, technology today is we can YouTube anything or let's find somebody who knows a system, who can teach and train. And again, most skills are duplicatable. They absolutely are with here are the systems, here are the steps. But, you know, you touched on how important and you were surprised from what I heard that the mindset and the personal development took the forefront. And maybe I'm sure you might perhaps have been like, when are we going to get to this part? Because this is what it's for. When are we going to get to the sales part? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like that would be like, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. What about the, this is what I really want. Then you wake up one day and you're like, hmm, you had the realization. And you're like, oh, I would have never done it in this order. And 
this is why. And once you said that word foundation, like anything, you're only as strong as the base. Yeah. And you made a great point then where my role as a coach is to provide what you need, not what you think you want. And I get that because that's where I was. You've just described me perfectly. And an, another analogy I use when I'm trying to explain to people why coaching, why would you even have a coach, is I say, imagine yourself, you're on a boat, you're quite quite a fair way from the shore and, you know, the wind's getting up, the waves are getting higher and the boat's creaking and you're starting to worry that it's leaking and are you safe, what's going to happen and you can see the shore in the distance and you know that you could get there but it would be a difficult, possibly dangerous and long journey and then you look up and here's me in a helicopter above you dropping down a safety harness saying, let me support you and I can get you to the shore safely and quickly. And when you kind of get that in your mind, then people go, oh, okay, I get it now. You make the transformation shorter and you help me along the way rather than me trying to figure it all out. So... Yeah, and I think a lot of people, and I don't know what you find, is they don't want to ask for help. Believe me, there are days where I'm like, I can do this. No, 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 no. And then 10 minutes into whatever I'm doing, I usually will always start with what made me think I can do this? Like, Stephanie, get real here. Like, call someone, go on the computer, do something. But right now, you don't really know what you're doing. And that's okay. Again, not the end of the world. I don't beat myself up for that. Uh, I look at it as any opportunity to learn because I want to get somewhere else. Yeah. And to me, asking for help, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength because you recognize within yourself, okay, I need help to get from here to here. And then once you get up there, then you might decide to help other people or once you're there, then you go further on. It's so important. That and establishing trust. But I would rather hang my hat with someone who like, hey, they're there and that's where I want to be. So let me again, if we were at a cocktail party or somewhere or a networking group and I heard you speak, I would seek you out to say, I want to be where you are. So if you can shorten some steps, that's fantastic. Tell me how. So what kind of clients are seeking you out? So I'm a, I'm a business owner. Am I just starting out and I'm just not even sure how am I going to make my presence out? I have this website. Now what? What else do I need? How much do I have to be on social media? And is it different? I'm, this is I'm, I apologize ahead of time because this is where I'm going to ask you ten questions. Pick one, feel free. <laughs> um, I just roll on and on. There's question marks marked there somewhere. Let me know when you want me to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What am I? A new business owner? Am I just want to perhaps grow a little more? At what point am I saying, let me check out Michelle and see what she has to offer? Okay, so essentially, as I said before, 
given my past experience, women who have started a business and may not be exactly sure how to set up systems, what to do, who to talk to, who to network with, but also women who have set up a business and it might even be a small to medium-sized business who are just feeling overwhelmed with everything. You know, like I've set up this business all around my passion, you know, for time and financial freedom, and now they're actually... They've never worked harder or longer as a solo, correct. And they're like, okay, what am I missing here? And often when that's the case, you have people who they know what they're supposed to do, but they're actually not implementing it because they haven't figured out the structure of their business to make working in the business and working on the business two separate parts of it. And how do you actually structure? Because every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So if you're saying yes to too many things, you're not progressing. All you're doing is basically treading water, then you you need to actually have the courage to stop for a minute, create that, like, let's just calm everything down and let's just make some plans and some decisions from that point of neutral, not from a high positive emotion or a high negative emotion, but let's get to neutral and think this through and work out, okay, what is the plan for, okay, if you're working 60 hours in the business, which parts of the business do you hate to do? Which parts are you not very good at? And how many hours a week would you need to outsource? I'll use bookkeeping as a good example because most people hate their bookkeeping. And yet the numbers are so important. Absolutely. So, you know, if you had to pay to outsource that and it was only two or three hours a week, once you can do that, free yourself up for a few hours, you've carved out that little space where now you're being strategic and you're working on your business and how do you grow and how do you do your best marketing and all of those sort of things that when you're running in the hamster wheel, all you're doing is just you're making decisions on the fly and putting out fires and and whacking a mole. It's a whack a mole, whack the mole, whack the mole, whack the mole, and then nothing. You know, the mole just always keeps popping up. Because sometimes when I ask people why are you in business and what's your purpose and what's your mission, what do you want to achieve? If people can't articulate that and really understand, then where are they going? Like if you're doing all these plans, where are you heading? And if you're not planning in alignment with where you want to go, you're always going to be going off on some tangent or the some path. So to understand how to start, you know, with your why, with your mission, how do you create an annual plan based around that? How do you break it down to quarterly? How do you break that down to weekly? So Everything you do is all aligned with where you want your business to go. And it's not easy. Like, you know, you still, you still got to do the work. But if you can start to see, okay, if I can outsource this and outsource this and outsource this, 
and create even just 10 hours a week for me, that's the type of stuff that's going to keep people in business, make them a lot happier and help them get to their goals. And as I said, I, I do talk to people who, when I say, why are you in business? And it's like, oh, because like, I like talking to people or I like designing fashion, but there's no real, uh, there's no heart in it. Right. It's so true. It makes so much sense. And it's funny because I hear myself in a lot of what you're describing. And there were some websites uh, for me to go on to look for sponsors, to be a guest, to do this, to do that. And even on like Instagram, or any of the social handles where they're like, okay, type your bio. Hmm. When you have to start with the, I am, what am I? And then for me, nine times out of 10, I'll be like, oh, I don't know. Let me walk away from that. And PS, I still have a, a half written something. And then that I'm good at, you know, let me get my feet stuck in the concrete. And I'll be like, yeah, ooh, I still have to. And if someone said, you know, okay, so I always like either timed games or come on, let's play the random question thing and make it fun. I would have something written in no time, have it up, and then I can move to the next step. But I find myself very easily getting just a little, you know, feet in the quicksand, very paralyzed. I'm like, oh, hmm, well, what am I? What do I want? And with me asking me the question, I'm not going to give myself the answer. But when someone else asks me, and then I'll get a little tripped up because sometimes depending upon what it is, it doesn't come freely and it doesn't, even though it's here, but bring it closer, Stephanie, bring it closer to your mouth. You have no problem talking. And then once it finds its way, I'm like, that's right. That's okay. I, but I find it that if it's just me reading the question, uh, you're like, okay, so tell us something about yourself. Oh, oh, mm. no, no. <laughs> but if someone was to ask me, I'd be like, oh, okay, so this is what it is. But when I read it and then I have to type it and I get very herky-jerky like that. Yeah, it is difficult. And it took me quite a long time to actually refine what is my why and if you like, I can share. So for me, my purpose is to inspire business women to live their life to their full potential. Mm-hmm. That can take many different forms. My mission is in the next five years, I want to have inspired 10,000 women around the world to live their best life. Now, when I first started trying to create that, I was trying to create this big, big, big goal, big, hairy, audacious goal for those who've done reading and around that sort of stuff. And it started off small and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, my God, 10,000 women. Oh, my God. Like, And I, I had this small thinking of, does that mean I have to literally coach 10,000 women? And then when I thought about it, I thought, well, no, I can coach one-on-one, but then I can do one-to-many. 
I can do what I'm doing today, talking to you and your listeners. And then if I inspire one person today who actually then inspires somebody else, then indirectly. So when I started to put it in that picture, it was, and, you know, I have financial goals as well, but for me, this is the important one. And it is about inspiring as many women as possible. And I put the number 10,000 on because when I first wrote it, I was, holy shit, that's a big number. (laughs) And right away it went to, do I even know 10,000 people? How am I even going to know? I know this many and can that be limiting? So it's so easy to get stuck in, but yet I, what I'm hearing you say, and it's always such a great way to look at it, which is when you're of service to people, it doesn't have to be the one-on-one because you could say something, someone's going to hear it. Someone it could repeat the mantra, I am strong, I can do this. And then that becomes theirs. And then, like you say, like, you know, and they tell two people and they tell two people. So it is really just from that service angle from let me give And you know that it's going to just multiply exponentially. And from a give back point of view, I've always wanted to do something. Again, it's like, how can I help? And I did quite a lot of research and I came across an organisation called Opportunity International. And when I spoke to them here in Australia, they actually provide the microfinancing for women in third world countries to help them get out of the poverty cycle. So they lend them $200 or $300 or $400, which for us is not a large sum of money, but for them it's an insurmountable barrier that they're never going to get past, but it allows them to maybe buy a sewing machine or a cow or create some sort of small business which is going to help their family get out of poverty. So I've made a commitment that my business will, I will donate a percentage of my revenue towards that because then anybody who works with me is then indirectly supporting them as well. So I've kind of tried to tie it all together. So it's women supporting women supporting women because We need to lift each other up. We don't want to be in competition and trying to cut everybody down because for all of us who are in business, there's billions of people out there to help. So it's not like, oh, I don't want to help you because I want these people for myself and all that sort of stuff. It's about how can we help each other and build each other up Sounds a bit philosophical now, but (laughs) it's important to me. (laughs) It's so important. And you're Mm. absolutely right of this competition that everyone gets caught up in or in what I call the very staged and styled Insta world. And then there's real life and real life. It's here and it's not all about the scheduled post and how great that looks because, you know, you've seen the Instagram life and then real life, you know, and it's true. It's very true. It's so you can get so caught up in it or 
you can acknowledge that it's there, of course, but still know that like everything, there's plenty of water for everyone's bucket. There really truly is. We're not going to run out of it. So here, let me help you. Oh, look, your crown's a little, let me straighten that crown for you versus trying to, you know, run you over in the parking lot. That was an interesting visual. I just had it. <laughs> and everyone's goals are different. You know, again, this isn't the amazing race. It's not the first team that gets there. It's everyone is at their own speed. Again, I'm older than you, but I'm on that next journey to, yeah, I'm digital. Absolutely. That's why I talk to a lot of coaches because it's in my future. It, it absolutely is. I'm still nine to fiving, but I'm really getting ready. Hopefully it won't take too long for the next phase. And I really look forward to that part because I love learning. I'm just so curious about things. And it's great to know that there are women and coaches and businesses like yours who are like, come on in, we'll help you out. Absolutely. So you mentioned you're going to make, do you, have you put a deadline on yourself? I have not because then I'd have to really <laughs> stay to it. <laughs> Isn't that easy when you don't have a deadline, but you can keep talking about it? Oh, yes. Yeah. At some stage in the next 12 or 18 months, I will, I will. And then all of a sudden you put a date on it and it. Right. You know what? Challenge accepted. <laughs> we are expecting our first grandchild in a couple of Congratulations. weeks. Congratulations. And that's going to change everything. And that's why. But if you would have asked me last year, I would have said, oh, you know, yep. Uh-huh. This is going to be my year. And then we, and then my daughter got married. I'm like, oh, she's getting married. Let's just wait. And oh, she's having a baby. And now I'm like, oh, she's having a baby. Get serious, get focused. This is the next stage for you. This is the next stage. And I definitely welcome it as the jump off and as the catalyst to be like, oh, it's time. So you know what I will tell you, Michelle, that before, you know, I'll say, even though it's farther away, it's not. But December 2022 is uh, when I'm going to have a plan in place, if not more but definitely at least an outline, an idea, and some sort of little roadmap. I look forward to hearing all about it. (laughs) I look forward to sharing it. (laughs) I look forward to sharing it. This has been so delightful. So tell me, obviously, we're all online. We're all creatures. Where are we going to find you? Somebody loved what they heard as I did. And then if they want to, you know, seek you out, where are we going to find you? Okay. The best place to find me at the moment um, is on Facebook. I have a group called Escape the Chaos. Oh, say that again because I love it. Escape the Chaos. Come and find me there. My website is pending. It's coming and it will be around soon. And I have an online program that I'm launching next month. So that will be people can do video modules and we'll be doing every fortnight group coaching sessions to support people along the way. And that will run, there's nine modules 
and we'll run it for about 12 weeks with the coaching support as well. So I'm literally just in the process of putting all of the event documents and everything together. So I don't have that with me like ready today. When you do, just let me know and we can always put it in the show notes because from the time that we're talking tonight to actually when everyone will listen to it, it will probably be around launch time. You know, and I'm sure if they went on the Facebook group, you would keep them abreast as to how and when it's all coming. Escape the chaos on Facebook. I (laughs) love that. So, yes, we will definitely be looking forward to that. Thank you. We both got um, things to report back on then. We both do, and we will, and we absolutely will. And I want to thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your story with us. I've learned a lot, and thank you for calling me out. I can talk a great story, but then when it's my turn, I'll be like, yeah, uh huh, maybe. And that's exactly how I did it with the podcasting, where my kids were like, we're tired of hearing about it. What's your story? Oh, soon, soon. And uh, so, yeah. So, okay. So we heard it here first, December 2022. And let's listen and see what that next part is going to be for both of us. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And I, I would just like to say thank you so much for having me on today and giving me the opportunity to share my thoughts and ideas with you and with your audience. Well, I appreciate that. And we are honored to have you. I love your story. I know we're going to get a ton of comments on the website, joyfoundhere.com. Keep listening. I really, really appreciate all of your support, all of your reviews, all of your comments. They really mean so much to us. And until the next time, everybody be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.